This is Bird Note. Poet Sean Hill has moved around many times in his life, between Georgia, California, Texas, Alaska, Minnesota, and now to Montana. While getting to know his new home in the Treasure State, Sean went up to Mount Helena for a hike. When I saw the Western Tanager, flew by. It was this beautiful flash. I was like, okay, that's a good omen, good auspice. I think I'm going to be okay in this place. Around the same time, Sean went to a reading for a book about Rose Gordon, a black woman born in Montana in the late 19th century. There's a lot of black folk who moved here more than you might think in the 19th century and raised families and stayed for generations. And this person in the audience was like, why Montana? Why did these people come here? So part of it is like, why, why do people move places? The Western Tanager, or why Montana? Are wanderings the same as migrations? I came to Montana for love, which sometimes is how we know our destinations. The western tanager flies here for procreation. When the snow goes wet, puddles, runs, and takes to far wandering. Is this the same as migration? A life is the sum of grand and modest peregrinations. Communities bloom at the meeting of opportunity and ambition, and can be a way to know our destinations. A fire engine red head cooling to orange to a sunny yellow body with those charcoal wings. The male western tanager flashes conflagration or an eastern autumn in flight. One familiar greeted me after we both arrived letting me know our wanderings weren't the same. His, a migration. In a stand of ponderosas where a blanket of snow lay for decades or longer, the dendrologist says, these trees moved up from what's Mexico as that quiet water pulled back, a different migration. Moving seed by seed north, generationally migrating to where they had been and where they could live, never asking, how do we know our destination? Why Montana? One among my interrogations, both public and private, like, how big is a home? Are wanderings the same as migrations? And how do I know my destinations? If you noticed a lot of repetition in this poem, that's because it's what's known as a villanelle. It's a poetic form, like a sonnet or a limerick. But rather than simply having a rhyme scheme, a villanelle also has two lines alternately repeated throughout the poem. In Why Montana, you have... Are wanderings the same as migrations? And how we know our destinations. Some poets find villanelles especially tricky to write, but it's a form Sean frequently reaches for. The sort of recursiveness of the villanelle 
works the way I sort of think and ruminate about things, keep coming back to things. And I like the challenge of trying to work the refrains in a different context to sort of whenever they return to make sort of a turn happen. So each time you hear an iteration of these repeated lines, the context and meaning is a little different, moving the poem forward. I highly recommend listening to the poem again and paying attention to the differences each repetition brings. All right. This next poem is about the unexpected sounds in quiet moments from when Sean was living in Texas. In Houston. Eating a ripe football-sized papaya, product of Mexico, for breakfast while sitting on the back deck, I see three ibises fly in a line over my house, low enough for me to hear their wing beats, sounding nowhere near as desperate as sand sifting through the narrow neck of an hourglass, but more like your hair sweeping the pillow next to me in bed when I'm close enough to see the palisade of pigment edging your lips, that borderline where dusk meets the pales, keeping out everything I can't imagine beyond them when I'm safe in the village. These white birds with black wingtips that perhaps in some myth they dipped in the inkiness of all terrestrial matters before painting the night sky with their upstrokes. I'm as amazed to hear these ibises trailing legs and leading with crescent beaks the same color as this papaya as I was to hear your hair when I expected your heartbeat. Our last poem today is from Sean's first book, Blood Ties and Brown Liquor. The book spans six familial generations of the fictional character Silas Wright, a black man born in Milledgeville, Georgia, in 1907. In this poem, Silas has a quiet, ordinary moment, seeing a great blue heron while fishing. But it has a transformative effect. Silas Fishing, 19... 67. That heron yonder's a good fisherman, patient, will wade and wait. But it ain't a good day for fishing. Neither of us having no luck, just minnows nibbling my bait. There he goes, up and off to another pond, I suppose. Trailing those long legs, flapping slow and steady. I cried and cried the day Mama died, and it hurt me deep when my wife, when Devora passed. But I didn't shed a tear. Been near ten years, and here they come, like the drops from that heron's feet. I was thinking about the etymology of grief and how grief is related to gravity. And there's this way in which the weight of the water dripping from those drops somehow allow for Silas' grief to happen. You can find links to more of Sean Hill's poetry and more episodes with poetry about birds on our website, birdnote.org. 
I'm Mark Bramhill. <laughs>